The Winefellers comes to you from the lavish WHUP studios in Hillsboro, North Carolina. Listen to us also on WPVM Asheville, WCOM Carborough, and WRLY Raleigh. This week's Winefellers is brought to you by the Hillsboro Tourism Board. Low on gas and near exit 164 during normal business hours? Visit Hillsboro. Learjet, introducing our new Sommelier Interior Edition with wine cellar and monogrammed ice bucket. Fly high above the indolent rubes in a Learjet. And River of Life Lutheran Church, reminding you to ask yourself, are you the reason why Jesus came? Welcome to this week's episode of The Winefellers, right here on WHUPLP, Hillsboro, North Carolina. I'm Joe, co-founder of TrueBottle.com, your professional source for wine auction prices, and my good feller Mark here, fine wine auction director with Leland Little Auctions. And together, we are the Winefellers. Well, Mark, we got it going here. And on this week's very special Memorial Day episode of The Winefellers, we will be celebrating our 30th show, Mark. Now, if you happen to catch the wine news during last week's Winefellers, we touched upon a story about a company, Ava Wines, that has invented a process that creates synthetic wine without grapes simply by combining flavor compounds with ethanol. Is this for real? They claim it tastes like the real deal. So so stay tuned. (laughs) You won't want to miss the first half of this week's show as we meet and discuss these exciting developments with Alec Lee, co-founder of Ava Wines. During the second half of our show, our good friend Alex the Wine Guru will drop by. He will host our most exciting wine tasting event yet, featuring three sexy Chardonnays graciously donated by the fine folks at the Raleigh Wine Shop. That, music from the Winefellers' personal archives, and more on this week's episode of The Winefellers. But first, the mailbag. Welcome. You've got mail. So what you, what you, what you got? I got mail! So what you, what you, what you got? I got mail! So what you, what you, what you got? We got what you, what you got? We got mail! 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 
It would seem that we have mail. <laughs> oh, I never get tired of that song, Boy, haven't Mark. haven't listened to that in a while. <laughs> uh, does it bring back good memories or bad, Mark? Uh, for my wife, I think she would tell you bad. That's right. She's still listening to the show even though we play that song. That's right. Hey, happy Memorial Day, Happy Mark. Memorial Day to you, too. We've got a great show lined up. I know, we do. Um, so what's this about a mailbag? Well, uh, I think we have a good piece of mail. You tell me. Well, I've got it right here. Is that what we're doing right now? I think so. Are we reading the mailbag? We're reading the mailbag. Reading the mailbag. Okay. Um, so, Mark, again, um, if you remember during last week's Wine News segment, mm-hmm. we discussed that there are countless scientific studies that right. promote the health benefits of, of red wine. It's right. Like an endless number of benefits. Sure. And that the results of many of these studies seemed completely obvious, right? Like we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, you even joked about creating your own study that would show that drinking a lot of beer causes increased, <laughs> it was something like it, you had to pee more, increased urination during the middle of the night. Right. Right. I kind of made that up. Like, obviously, again, a, a obvious, an obvious fact. Yeah, I just kind of made that up like, you know, let's do a study that does this. Well, I, I thought it was um, very interesting that yesterday uh, in the Weinfeller's email box, we received... Uh, a message from Julia, who listens to our show in, of all places, Mark, Guam. Ooh, she's via, a Guamanian. Uh, she's just an American okay. living in Guam. Okay. Um, via iTunes, uh-huh. uh, which is a great way to access the uh, podcast there. It is. Very nice. Not very nicely done there. Uh, and Julia from Guam writes, Hi, wine fellers. You guys are funny. See, I already like Julia here. She, I like her too. Yeah. She's off to a great start. Uh, whatever she wants, she's going to get from the wine fellers now. Um, she says, Hillsboro, North Carolina, must be a hilarious place to visit. Uh, some days. <laughs> she goes on. Regarding your news segment, the and she heard what you said. Okay. Right. Okay. So get ready. You're going to get a, an explanation. We don't need to run the study. You got to think of something else. Okay. Let's hear this. The reason beer makes you urinate more during the middle of the night is because of the antidiuretic hormone ADH, <sighs> which is produced. And see, she's got a, a head mm-hmm. on her shoulders here, Mark. Mm-hmm. Which is produced in the part of the brain called the hypothalamus. Hypothalamus. Uh-huh. Thank you for correcting mm-hmm. me. Yeah. See, I'm trying to make my way through it here, <laughs> yeah, Mark. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I got <laughs> Guam right, okay? You did. <laughs> um, alcohol prevents ADH from releasing, uh-huh. uh, which then causes an increase in urine production and dehydration. Hmm. I don't think we've ever said urine so many times within the first <laughs> three so. minutes of the it's show. scientific context. Um, fine. So she, she wraps it up here. So she says it's not just the fact that you are drinking more fluids, which causes you to again urinate more right just thought you'd like to know julia yeah so that's um 
<laughs> well, I guess I, so I guess, much for that study, Mark. Yeah, I guess uh, I'm standing corrected. I mean, I was I guess I was kind of using it as a joke that we a study that we would not need to perform, but obviously the study has been performed and it shows that you when you uh, urinate after you drink a lot of uh, alcohol, it's not because of the increased <laughs> fluid; it's because of the alcohol itself causing a mm-hmm. uh, some kind of you know, uh, hormone. We okay. should make a beer called ADH beer. Which has like a lot of this hormone. Yeah. And you're just every beer, you're in the bathroom like for 40 minutes yeah. per beer. Not sure what the what, what the <laughs> marketing hook is on that. Uh, it's not the kind of beer that you you seek out. I'm just trying to think of why you'd want to drink that. Like, <laughs> I think you're looking for the anti-ADH beer. I think that, well, now you're on to something yeah. there. So where you can sit on the couch for, you know, 24 hours straight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, those are just, those are the like the stadium pal, right? Or yeah. you, you look to other technology when you... You yeah. want to remain in one place. But I like that. At the stadium, now serving anti-ADH beer. <laughs> and people, Drink more, and urinate You don't have less. to go to the bath. That's nice. I like it. Okay, well, thank you, Julia. And thanks thank for listening you, to the show. And maybe we'll use you as a scientific resource uh, the next time we have a, a health a study about wine that we need to talk about. Now, Mark, uh, here on The Wine Fellers, we are all about wine and sharing and love we and are. music and joy. We're not about anything if we're not about love. That's right. And so, Mark, in that spirit, uh, I believe we're we're pulling uh, a song deep out of the Winefellers musical archives. Way down there. Way, way down there. Uh, that you uh, want to share with me today. It's something I actually haven't heard. Well, I I actually had written a song about Joe. That you know, oh, Joe boy. and I are great pals, and and sometimes you feel like a you feel a love for your pal, and you want to write him a song, <laughs> and that's what I did. So I wrote you a song, and I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I hope uh, other people enjoy it too. Uh, if you like it, I'll maybe I'll set it up where you can purchase it on wine, uh, purchase it on iTunes, so I could purchase my own song then. Yeah, sure, of course. Yes. I feel bad. It's like you're giving me a gift here. I have nothing in return. Just purchase an iTunes. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> All right, let's give it a listen, Mark. Okay. Joe has fell, gone to the dogs like a piece of ham in a synagogue Obscene and violent, lascivious, and even intolerant of lactose He's lewd and rude by a magnitude, internet troll on YouTube He's unglued, unhinged, lost control, used for the method of birth control Joe's gone Toss away your sippy cup Joe's gone bad 
You are listening to The Weinfellers. Alec Lee studied biotechnology at the University of British Columbia. After graduation, he ran a science education company for three years before attending Harvard Business School. He left Harvard to pursue a second startup developing novel stem cell technologies. Alec Lee and his business partner, Mardon Chua, came up with the idea for Ava Wines while visiting a winery in California's Napa Valley in 2015. Now, I'm so happy, as is Mark, to have today Alec Lee on the show to discuss the groundbreaking technologies they're using today. Alec, welcome to the Wine Fellers. Alec, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Alec. Hey. How are you doing? Uh, thank you for being on our show. Thanks for having me. Well, we were really excited to, to have you on. We, were, uh, we had read about your uh, project, your new technology last week, and we're, uh, we found that very interesting, so that's why we wanted to call you and find out uh, what's, uh, w- what is involved and, and what you're doing this and why you're doing this. But maybe, maybe we'll start off with a why. What, what made you decide to enter the, uh, uh, the business of making uh, replica wines? Yeah, so I guess this is more of Martin's story than mine, but I, uh, well, Martin was at the, uh, at a Napa Valley winery that actually developed the wine that won the 1976 Judgment of Paris, uh, that Chardonnay, and when he was at the tasting, he asked if he could, almost jokingly, uh, taste the wine. Uh, they said, of course, no. Uh, they only have one bottle, right. that uh, there's only a handful left, and that their last one sold a couple of years ago for over $11,000. Well, wow. Um, not having $11,000 to drop on a bottle of wine, he sure. thought, well, if the wine is nothing more than its chemistry, the sum of its molecules, then surely we could reproduce them. And so that's where the idea, the idea came from, to really... Give people the access to some of these some of these great wines that they haven't had access to before, um, and to show that there isn't anything uh, particularly deeply special about the taste and the experience of a wine that isn't just the sum of the molecules that are in it. Now, uh, Alec, that I applaud this work, mm-hmm. right? Because on the Wine Fellers, we are always trying to bring wine to more people, and how can you better do that than reduce you know some of these prices on these wines that people have to try mm-hmm. you know while, while they are here on this planet um and now before we get into all the details of how it's done and and which wines you've 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 worked on overall how is the process going well it's actually going pretty well uh we've gotten pretty close to uh a product that resembles wine um, when we actually give it to people and we don't tell them what it is or what to expect, they, they, pretty, they accept it pretty well. Um, but it does still need some work. So we've it, gotten to the point where we can sort of 
reduce it to its key components, but it does need some optimization to really get to something that people will accept and, and really enjoy. To to accept as wine, or a certain con- or to accept specific- as wine. Nice. So, so I so I think, um, and again, I applaud your the technology too, and I think it'd be uh, incredible if it. Uh, it shakes out and, 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 and it can uh, come to fruition. Um, I think f- for, m- for me, I'm thinking the most difficult part is, is that uh, when you are, uh, I, underst- I mean, I read about the process that you use to recreate the flavors well, of the I- wine using the chemicals. And, uh, and, and I think that it's, well, the difficulty I was thinking it would be, or it would be a discrimination issue, that yes, you'd be able to get, hone in on the flavor of wine, but once you're getting to the point of, of honing in on the different chemical analysis between like a 1974 uh, heights versus a 1978 heights, I would be thinking that that would be something that would be excruciatingly difficult. Um, now, but but now maybe, guys, but maybe you tell me something different. Guys, guys, all right, Alec, Mark, just so we can uh, let the folks who are listening in understand mm-hmm. what this process is. Um, that Mark's referring to, Alec, is there a just a stripped-down version of how you actually, uh, I guess, what are the steps involved in creating one of these wines? Sure. So the first step is analyzing the molecular profile. So we take, the, the goal is to be able to take any given wine. You give us the bottle. We run it through uh, various chemical analyses, including uh, gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, um, a couple of other analytical chemistry techniques, and we uh, run that against our our conversion metric. So it turns out that the that the pure readout that you get from some of these from some of these techniques isn't doesn't really get you close enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a way that we have to convert that. Huh. Once we actually convert it, then we'll know what is supposed to be in there in terms of the concentrations uh, of the different components. And then we source each of those individually and add them back in. Uh, it turns out that the majority of the compounds that actually make a difference for the wine are commercially available um, or can be produced. So wow. even if no one produces them, we could theoretically produce them in the future. And so it's really just a... You know, you know, we we look at the picture. It's a it's a puzzle, and then we put those pieces of the puzzle back together to get the original. How many, how many different, if we can use the puzzle analogy, how many different shapes of pieces do you have? Um, I know that Jelly Jelly Belly creates flavors, and they have hundreds of uh, taste flavors to choose from when they create a new flavor jelly bean. Um, and you, yeah. when you say with wine, there are, are just a few uh, chemicals that uh, really affect the flavor and quality of the wine. How many are we talking about here? Is it is it hundreds? Is it just dozens? What are what's what's the count there? Well, we're currently prototyping with about fifty to a hundred wow. different compounds, but there are there are of course a lot more. There's several hundred detectable different molecules and so part of the game is also figuring out which pieces really matter for the flavor or for the aroma of the wine because some of them some of them are present in very very low concentration and the threshold of detection by the human palate is very low and so we know we can sort of write them off others are present in very low concentrations and the threshold of detection is even lower 
And so we have to figure out which ones might actually be important and which ones might not be important. Um, that's sort of that, that's part of the, the real uh, difficult trick here is is in figuring out what things actually matter and what things don't. So that's also partly why we haven't gotten exactly to the point of uh, having something that we're very happy with is just because we're still going through this process of figuring out what's relevant, what's not. Now, uh, you know, one thing I was thinking about this technology, and if, if, it, uh, if, if it's perfected, is that um, you're trying to replicate the taste of, let's say, a 19, I forgot what year it was, 1992 Dom Perignon, and that would be a good wine to replicate. And, uh, and I'm thinking that if you were able to replicate this technology, uh, that would sort of be the tip of the iceberg because by use, by getting the signatures like the mass spectros- spectroscopy signatures go, of uh, all, all the greatest wines in the world, um, you would be able to uh, use that in an equation to make a perfect prototypical wine, a wine that's never been really made but could be made and, uh, uh, by via chemistry uh, when you're relying on what it is, whatever that is, that makes wonderful wine, wonderful wine. Oh, and and you know to to uh, get off of that. Okay, all right, Mark. Mark's saying no. Let him answer my question. I've I've got so many thoughts running through my head right now. Please, uh, Mark, restate your question. One, <laughs> he has it. He has it. <laughs> I've got it. Um, yes, that that's exactly right. But I think that what we get into, we get into some more philosophical questions about. What is a prototypical wine? Uh, what makes one wine better than another wine? And to some extent, we do know the answers to those questions. You know, you get rid of the acetic acid, you get rid of some of the wine faults. Um, you get rid of, for example, the acetaldehyde. Um, and again, you can sort of get rid of some of that wine fault. We can prevent, uh, minimize the, the chance of corking, uh, corking a wine, for example. Uh, those are sort of that's sort of the low hanging fruit in terms of optimizing, but in terms of you know what makes one great wine better than another great wine, I think a lot of that is really subjective. So we can figure out you know what the what makes a really great cab and make our own, like you said, one that's never been made before. But would one uh, master psalm look at that and say that it's better than you know a regular or a naturally produced cab? Maybe, maybe not, right? Um, there, there may have, there may be merit behind it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people will uh, will enjoy it as much. And I think that people will view great wine the way that people view great art. You know, some people like contemporary art, and others don't. And that's more a matter of preference than the actual uh, the specific details of the piece of art. Well, and that's true. I think, as, and as long as you get kind of the philosophical component of this, is that uh, one thing we are assuming is that people like great bottles of wine for the reasons we think they like them. Uh, a lot of yeah. what we do is we drink wine in context. Uh, we we like wine more if it costs more. Uh, we like wine more if you're at a nice dinner, as a, it, the bottle tastes better if you're a nice dinner as opposed to. Uh, eating a, a, a hamburger out of a wrapper or the glass that it's in. Now, Mark, there's nothing wrong with drinking wine while eating no, there's a not. hamburger out no, of a wrapper. No, there's not. So, so I think that's uh, one issue that uh, it seems that you'd have to uh, take in consideration as well. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and beyond that, 
you know, there, there have been many tests done where they take white wines, dye them red, right. and people describe them as, as red wines. Cool. So there's definitely the contextual element of how people will experience the wine. But I think that, that's why I think that's why I think when you look at what happened in the judgment of Paris, it's, it's not as if that was the first time that California wines were great. Sure. They'd probably been great for a long time, but people's perception of them needed to catch up to what the, uh, what the objective quality that was, uh, was there. And to some extent, I think that we'll face some of the same challenge. You know, I'm sure that you guys saw the taste test video that yeah. came out with a new scientist article of, of our wine. Yeah, and we it was watched kind of that. Funny we watching it. that because was it, so what, after we watched that, we took our wine and we gave it to uh, we gave it to a couple of people and said, "Hey, uh, you know the the new scientist tasters. They said that our wine tastes kind of plasticky, uh, kind of chemically. What what do you think about the original?" So we gave them our wine, but we told them, this is what we modeled it off of. Taste this first so that you know what to expect. Uh, and then we said we would give you ours afterwards. And, you know, they would smell it and taste it and said, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's not very complex. It just smells kind of sweet. And, yeah, I think I can smell some gasoline on there. Right. Um, and I think that that gets to when you tell someone synthetic, they start looking for the false in it. Sure. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you completely. And they, and they did not do the, the wine tasting correctly because if they were to do it correctly, they have to do it blind. And obviously it was not a blind test. I mean, you need to do it probably first out of a brown bag where you're not seeing what the color that you're drinking and then not other issues. That I, I was not impressed with their uh, production piece there. No, I wasn't either. All right. I, I thought that it was uh, disrespectful to the entire endeavor. Yeah, I thought it was unfair. I did. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, Alec, question. Do you think that like the World Seed Bank, someday you will hold the blueprints to wines long extinct and out of existence and offer humanity the only path to trying them again. I do. Um, I think, you know, with something we've talked about a lot, when we can create these digital profiles of the wines, those will last indefinitely. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many great things that I'm sure that we lost, for example, in the Library of Alexandria when it burned down. Um, and inevitably, every piece of great art, uh, if I can continue that analogy, yes. will be lost to time. But the digital replicas will last forever. We can always create reprints, and maybe they won't be 100% identical, but I think we'll still be able to appreciate them for, for generations to come. And I think that, you know, some people have... Uh, have objected to that and say, you know, some things should be lost to time uh, and sort of are better in our memories than in reality. But I'm not sure that argument is very compelling. I think that I think that as a society, we do want to retain the things that we really care about. Yeah, I think if if we could somehow, if we found an archive of the uh, contents of the Library of Alexandria, no one would probably complain about that. No. Right, exactly. It, 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 do you, if you, uh, this technology is perfected, which I hope you are able to do, are you uh, concerned about, I would have to imagine the wine industry would not be tickled pink about what you're doing. <laughs> it would sort of upend things. Uh, are, are you hearing from the wine industry? Are, you, uh, are they just not concerned about you? Are they, uh, are they just not understanding what you're trying to do? Or what, what should have been their response? 
Well, it's mixed. Uh, we have heard, we've actually had more support from the idea than, uh, than we thought we would. There's, of course, those people who say, oh, this is synthetic, it's gross, uh, it's plastic, it's cancer, you know, this is, uh, this is terrible. But I think that the, I'd say the majority of people understand what they're doing, they understand the value, and they understand that it's not scary. Um, and, and I think that is true in the wine industry as well. I'm not sure who's sweating more right now, whether it's, uh, you know, the elite winemakers or whether it's, um, you know, the, let's just say, the companies that make Tubac Chuck, for example, uh, because ultimately we can probably compete against all of them. But I think that right now they're looking at what we've made and said, look, it's not very good. Maybe they'll never be able to make it any good, and uh, we won't have to worry about them. But I think time will tell who stresses out about it the most. Right, and I think that makes sense. I think uh, if you can make a wine that comes pretty close to an 82 Lafitte, but you know, but a discriminating person might be able to tell, um, that might take a little bit longer to, uh, to do, but to improve better than, say, a two-buck chuck, that might be able to do very quickly. Yeah, what I think is interesting about that, so some people have said, oh, you know, you guys are working on a, on a, a prototype of a Moscato Diosti. Just wait until you get to, and then they name off, you know, so, any other type of wine. And I think that it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because at the end of the day, you know, we think about this as just a color palette, right? You're, people are, it's, it's tantamount to saying, oh, well, you guys are replicating a blue painting. Just wait until you get to a red one. So the process is the same. I think same. That, the, that the same analogy is going, to, is going to hold. It shouldn't be any easier or more difficult to replicate a great bottle of wine than a really cheap bottle of wine. I could be wrong about that, but, you know, we'll find out. Um, but I think that, I think that the, same, the same challenges will exist regardless of the quality uh, or, or the vintage. Well, I like, uh, both Joe and I find this uh, very fascinating. Absolutely. And we're uh, excited to try uh, your wine uh, when it comes to market. Now, uh, before we go, uh, so you, what's on the horizon so you can tell our, our, our listeners you, what can they do if they want to try one of your wines? Well, right now we're taking a soft commitments, if, uh, if I can call them that, uh, for our uh, for our first first edition wine, and they can pre-order those at avawinery.com. Um, since we don't have licensing to produce and sell alcohol, we of course can't, you know, we, we're not charging the cards, we can't actually promise that we'll deliver on it, but once those things come to fruition, uh, we'll get a lot closer and be able to communicate with people when they can expect to receive uh, their orders, and uh, and we hope to be able to keep in touch with people who are interested that way. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a bottle because I want to believe that this is gonna happen. This is totally gonna happen. I think so. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, Alec, thank you so much for joining us today. The company is Ava Winery, and uh, check it out. Uh, thank you, Thanks Alec. For having me. Thank you. The carbonation in your mountain dew. He's the Brunswick in your stew. He is the fiber in your poo. He's the horse in your glue. The answer is Alex, the wine guru. Honorary, Honorary wine, wine feller. feller.
Well, Mark, we're on to the second half of the show All here. All right. Um, we have our best friend. Tell us who in the world is in the studio with us right I now. I think we have Alec. Alex. <laughs> we just talked to Alex. Al- Man, there's like so many Alexes. We have... Uh, Last week we had an Alex uh, guest too, but we have Alex, <laughs> the wine guru. Well, hello. How are y'all doing? We Wonderful. are doing great. We always love to have you on the show because uh, it's we'll, the, we love the great wines you bring and we learn so much. So uh, it's, we just how can we go wrong? Yeah, but I want the guru's opinion on this. Uh, he was in the studio with us uh, yeah. as we were listening to the uh, Ava Winery um, co-owner uh, discuss what they're up to. Yes. Right? Uh, as a, a wine guru, what are your thoughts on that? So uh, I have <laughs> I have a lot of mixed feelings. Um, I think it's it's a crazy good idea. I love technology. I love trying to push technology. Um, but how can you call it wine if it really didn't come from a grape. I think that's a big that's, that's a big criticism. And, and 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 I think the other criticism which you all touched upon is, you know, it's these winemakers are artists. It's art. And he was saying, well, this is like a contemporary version of art. But I it, it there's a lot of art that goes well, into it. It's farming, there's it's, you know, you know those grapes are the they're basically the vessel of the sunshine. I mean, so there's a lot of things there that well, the, the, and to take the, to take his uh, side on this yeah. is that I, the way I would see it is like you know like a Picasso. You're looking at a Picasso and it has its components of what makes a capo- uh, what makes a Picasso. But um, you know you could uh, instead of buying a Picasso for a million dollars, you could buy a, a replica, yeah. a print, or maybe a, even a better print, a serograph or or something, a lithograph or something. See, that's or, what I'm talking or about. Or pay some guy to, to yeah. pay some guy to reconstruct the Picasso. And sure, you might be able to uh, you might be able to figure it out, or some people can. But I'm th- I'm wondering if the majority of the people are unable to. Yeah, like like I think of it as, as like this. Okay, so um, uh, if let's say as your example, a Picasso, a great work of art was um, held in a museum overseas that mm-hmm. most people never got to see. Mm-hmm. Putting it uh, on the web, where you can look at it on your computer screen, would in some way bring some joy to people around the world it who otherwise wouldn't have... Benefits all. Uh, yes. Well, they would never have the experience to go into the museum, see the painting in person, but they still get something out of it. I think it could be the same thing. It wouldn't be the same experience, not at now, all. Now, I do find it interesting, now that you take on that kind of analogy, is so so say they do come up with a synthetic version of an 82 Lafitte. Right. And someone who could not afford to have it actually had it. Mm-hmm. It might spark them to, to go be a winemaker. So there are, mm, so, you know, you, sure, there is an, enjoy a whole other side, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if it's, it, the world would change. I mean, I would have a... Uh, I assume I would have just cases and cases of an 89 Obreon <laughs> just sitting around, and I would just, you know, just drink that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I would imagine get tired could, of it after you, a while. <laughs> and then wine just lose everything. I don't know. You could have every vintage lined up, so when people come to the auction house and they're like, well, I want to buy that. Wait a second. This well, puts well, me how much of, no, 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 no. It's like this. This puts me no, out no, of no. business. No, 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 no. But how, does, how would that taste? So I want to buy the real thing, but yeah. oh. I'm offering you a taste right. of what, approximation, what, yeah. approximation. 
combination uh, of uh, what you're, you're going to buy. buy. Well, well imagine, idea. imagine if you know you go into Wendy's today <laughs> and you've got the thing that you can combine the uh, Coca Cola with different flavorings and make your own soda. Uh, it's like 180 combinations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then a what if ache. they have a wine machine like that in the future? <laughs> That's just a question for our listeners to ponder yeah. because I want to get on to the wine tasting and pairing of the day. What have we got? What okay, do we have? so sexy Chardonnay, and I just want to put this out there. This tasting has been brought to you by the Raleigh Wine Shop, celebrating its fifth year in uh, downtown Raleigh on Glenwood South. Uh, they pur- were so purveyors, kind. Purveyors by all means, attend this wine store. I've been in there before. Attend this wine store, <laughs> and it is a fabulous place. And uh, and please go in there. Tell the wa- tell them the wine feller sent you. I don't know why, but just go in there. Yes, <laughs> it's not like they're going to get a discount. Right? No, no, you're not going to get a discount. <laughs> but just tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they'll give ten percent. I don't know. I'm not not going to put words in her mouth. Um, so uh, we're going to do a quick little background on the Chardonnay here. So serving temperatures for Chardonnay, about 48 degrees Fahrenheit. But mm-hmm. we have an exception to the rule today because okay. the list of three Chardonnays that we're tasting are extremely different. And, um, it's showing how diverse the grape can be. Wow. Um, so France's uh, Burgundy region, well-known for Chardonnay, yeah. Chablis, uh, and Champagne um, are, in my opinion, is the kind of benchmarks for this grape. Uh, so Chardonnay has a wide, ra- a wide, wide ranging reputation for relative ease of cultivation and the ability to adopt different conditions. The grape is very malleable, and that that is reflects and takes on the uh, impression of its terroir and its winemaker. And then so style uh, food styles. Um, Due to its wide range, Chardonnay has the potential to be paired with diverse spectrum of foods, commonly paired with roast chicken, other white meats, and such as turkey. But heavily oak-influenced Chardonnays, and we will talk about that today, do not pair well with delicate fish sea- mm. or seafood dishes. Instead, those wines tend to go better with smoked fish, spice, spicy southeastern, southeast Asian cuisine and garlic and guacamole dips and of course you know you oh, can go I'm, my there. mouth is watering I know. already so not all chardonnays are alike and that's it's very important now the, oh, the well yeah please mark go no, ahead no, you all day i'm just so excited he's nodding at me <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, so i think what joe is going to uh, get into about the butterly buttery versus the oak <laughs> chardonnay is that possible it, that was I was going to get into that, but moreover, I was curious about these this oak flavor uh, being too powerful for some foods. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, California is known to heavily oak their wine, Interesting. and a lot of it has to do with type of oak they're using, whether they're using French or American. Or American. Oak. Ah. So think of it this way: so think of French oak as a bagel. Slice the bagel in half, and all those very small holes and nooks yeah. and crannies right that's like the grain on french oak okay think of american oak like a um muffin right you slice that and it has a lot so there's a lot more surface area yeah. for that to to breathe and go oh, into literally the, the pores of the oak right, the pores right. of the oak that's is what i'm talking oh about my yeah gosh. more surface area so, so more surface imparts area more imparts more flavors wow so anyways so uh the first uh first wine up is um 
uh, Clavelin Brut. It's a Cremant from the Jouar region in yes. France. Um, so we have to always start out with a sparkling. This is a Blanc to Blanc, so it's 100% Chardonnay. Nice. And so I thought it would be um, appropriate to... Um, pop this sucker open oh my gosh because, an on-air popping yes because it is it is a memorial day and i think we need to um you know send a salute off to uh there it goes uh the fallen heroes who have well, that's very nice made america what it is and i'll drink why to that yes yeah, so so, mo- memorial day we need to have it we'll have a toast we'll have a little toast uh, so makes sense. we're gonna pour this now oh look at that that's great yeah. it's beautiful so um, I picked a lot of um, food pairings today that you would not think would would go with these wines. Uh, the price, by the way, in this wine is nineteen ninety nine. That's very reasonable. Uh, very reasonable compared to champagne, where you'd spend fifty or sixty. Absolutely. So the odd pairing today for food, which I will hand one over, is corn dogs Woo! Corn with dogs. Dijon mustard. So we're going summer all the way here. Holy smokes! So now, now these these are classic corn dogs from the frozen section at your local <laughs> grocery store because right with me. the uh, the local dog joint was not open today. So mm. it'll be very interesting to see how this uh, tastes. All right, let's uh, get this open here. And you went all out here. All right, we got mm. some uh, just some straight up Dijon mustard here, Mark. Looks like, and uh, we're going we're going for it. Oh my goodness! And this this is a great great wine. Mm. So, so it's a. This is kind of a. It's a pale uh, lemon color, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a, it's a, has a nice fizz on it. It's a. It smells wonderful. What are you getting there, Alex? Um, Dijon mustard at the moment. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's wonderful. I I, I kind of went out of turn. I kind of broke into the corn <laughs> oh, no, dog. Me too. I was hungry. But th- this is really nice. <laughs> I, I, so I get like a. Um, um, oh, it, it's a nice a- acid. Uh, there's a some, sharp, sharp acid to it. There's, there's, a, there's like um, apple skin. There's like that, mm-hmm. you know. There's the like granny apple. I can get that. I get a. This so, cuts so nicely. I kind of get the a, fats in that corn dog. It does. So I, I don't know if it's the corn dog or the. I get a saltiness, but that might be the corn dog. I think it's the corn dog. So the, the kind of what the pairing is behind this mm. is that the acidity on a blanc de blanc. Um, is it's high, and so with the Dijon mustard, so the, the basically the bridging is the Dijon mustard to the corn yes. dogs. Wow, so nice. uh, because corn dogs have a lot of fat, and so there's acid in here to cut it, and so no one would think you could you know have you could have a sixty dollar bottle of champagne, you could have an yeah. eighty two Dom and have it with a corn dog. No, this is this is well worth uh, the uh, twenty bucks. Uh, this is a very nice wine, and, and it goes really well with the corn dogs, and it's just uh, gosh, it's very light. Uh, it's uh, just so nice. <clears throat> I love the pairing choice because, you know, here we are on Memorial Day. We're talking about grilling out hot dogs and hamburgers. Mm. A lot of people don't understand that you can go down to the Raleigh Wine Shop, mm-hmm. get a $20 bottle of fantastic wine that goes great for, uh, you know, a highbrow occasion or your cookout. Yep. Well, this is good. This is a good choice. Yeah. So... Um, I just like to show off, you know, this is Chardonnay. And a lot of people, when they think wow. of Chardonnay, they're thinking oaky, buttery, right. California Chardonnay. And that's not the case. Um, and, you know, we're going on to a wine um, in the Chablis region where they've been cultivating vines since the 12th century. Oh, not wow. necessarily Chardonnay, but it's just, you know, it's it's a classic, right. classic area for... Um, so so for me, this this I get, it's predominantly I get lemon. 
I mean, very you're, you're you're still on this wine here. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah, I really like it. It's very good. No, no, um, lemon. Let me let me see what we got here. It's, it's really nice. I the, still, I still, honestly, so I get some kind of apple fresh. in it. I get a like green apple kind of. Mm. I do like it. It's I'm nice. with you, Mark. There is some lemon in that. Yeah, but it's 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 a, it's a wonderful wonderful wine. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and and uh, okay, well we're like we, taking we, the sexy Chardonnay tour here. Yeah, what yes. we got next? Okay, so next up we're going to actually have. Um, I'm not great with my French. Um, it's a uh, um, oh Chablis oh. Le Pargou. Yeah, great Le Pargois. Pargois <laughs> Le Pargois. Well, okay. So so Chablis. <laughs> it's from Chablis. So kind of this is kind of a fun thing. Um, if you want to pour, Mark, I'm going to just go over this real quick. Um, so the name Chablis has taken on somewhat of a generic uh, connotation that means any dry white wine, even those not made from Chardonnay. Interesting. Um, which this is one thing why you get into that brand protection, because it's like Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not everything's right. a Chablis. But anyway, so the next up is Chablis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this is going to have... So this it, is a famous maker. Yes, very famous maker. And actually, their vineyards are Grand Cru class of uh, Chablis. I won't get into all the details in regards to why it is not now, but there are four classifications in Chablis. There is Premier Cru, um, Grand Cru, Chablis, and Petit Chablis. Mm-hmm. Petit Chablis is actually the... Uh, the lesser, least quality, and then you have the high quality. This is right. this is of, it's not considered a Grand Cru, but it is that level. Um, their their uh, uh, vineyards were reclassified. So, anyways, but that being said, let's get to the wine because that's what it. we're really <laughs> here for. Um, so, I am fascinated by the story. But now I get to taste the wine that goes along with yeah, it. Yeah, and you know what? This wine is obviously so, so good that we got like six fruit flies around in the studio now. Oh, well. Oh, well. Anyways, so this is, is going to be a completely different wine. You're yeah. not going to have um, – it's going to be really sharp. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's hard to believe it's the same grape. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's – um. Gosh, it's so different. Uh, well, this one, I it's wow, um, wow. To me, I get that apple you're talking about on this one, but uh, see, I'm getting the lemon in this one. Okay, part. You get, I get pl- lemon pledge. Oh, all right. So I have. Uh, oh, what okay. am I holding in my hand here? So to pair with you this? have um, Herbison Brie cheese. This is not a triple cream. This is a really funky kind of uh, mm. mushroom. It still has, should have enough fat to cut. To cut uh, the acidity, mm-hmm. uh, and so I figure I just pick a different cheese and we just roll with it. Because everyone says brie, but let's look at mm. something that's a little different. Mm. Mm. That really turns on the wine too. I had trouble tasting it, but now I, that's much better. That really brings it out. Mm. Right. So this is. Um, I mean that cheese yeah. just oh, wait melts on your tongue. So the acids are coming out. I'm now. getting I'm a whole it. different flavor profile. Yeah, now. me too. This is different. So. So uh, this is nice. So I'm, I'm, yeah, like you said, I get the lemon, wow, but I also bam. get the uh, mm-hmm. maybe a little. Uh, I'm getting softer grapefruit, but I'm getting some softer like, the mineral stuff. I'm getting like uh, yeah, like the limestone and the uh, and 
Yeah, this is like more has more minerality than the first wine. It's very good. I like it. It's it's very nice. I think I like, uh, despite this being six dollars more expensive, I think I like the the the, the first one a little better. Maybe it just seemed more alive to me, and this one's a little bit. Yeah, you, you think know, this you know aged pretty well? I th- I think so. I mean, what do you think? I think it has enough acidity there that you know a lot of people don't think about white wines having some ageability to yeah. them. Uh, but um, Chardonnay you, definitely does. The Chardonnay, especially something that has a heavy acid content, right? Will hold will hold over the years. So it'd be really interesting to see what this would taste. It is. And know, I think it's toned down. Ago. I think you could eat this with uh, you could drink this with uh, like some kind of shellfish that doesn't have too much. You know, go. I mean, it would pair better than the first one would. I th- yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, you could uh, cook with it, but I wouldn't spend that kind of money to you know to yeah. cook with mm. it. Oh no, no, it's a, it's mm. definitely a great great way to. To cook, you know, drink it oh, while you're cooking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is this is very nice. I, I really enjoy Alex. This I like the way you think. It's you know, the only it's way. like I love it. You're going to the store. This is my cooking wine. <laughs> I, don't, cooking I wine. don't think you can cook anything with that. No, it's what I drink <laughs> when I cook. Oh yeah, I drink when I cook. So, um, what do you think of this uh, wine? Oh well, you know, um, I think that you know I prefer wines with with lower carbonation. Okay, yeah. so when we're talking about trying the the, um, it is a little bit of apples and oranges here. Uh, yeah, I think so. That, um, but you know, right when I right after I had consumed the cheese, yeah, I had actually mm. gotten a I got it softened it up so much because there's so much it fat brings it out that I am starting to get more like stone fruit, maybe unripe peach or. Yeah, you know, somewhere in there where it's it, there's the sugar content isn't there, but you kind of get the essence. I think you're right. A, I think I think I think you're right. I think the, the overall flavor profile for me is mm, is, mm, is mm. muted. It's kind yeah. of a delicate. You mm-hmm. get it. It's all there, but it's kind of toned down. And, yep. and it's very nice. Very drinkable. I yeah. Like it. Yeah. Very good. I think with the right food, this wine is going to shine. I think so. Oh, I I, I completely it agree. It does. it does. It does. That brie, that brie, like you said, it just brings out the flavor. And here's why people get so excited about food and wine pairings. It's that whole the whole music thing. You struck, you just struck another chord. That's right. You yep. know, and you're like, well, oh my goodness, and then you get the goosebumps. We get the analogy. I yes. got the goosebumps, man. I so, got gotcha. you. Uh, oh, okay, so we're gonna move on real quick because um, we are, uh, you know, short segment here All today. Right. We could go for hours on this. We are going to go to, to Napa Valley. We're going to go to Atlas Peak, so we're going to go up into the mountains, one of the highest mountains, by the way. Um, Banknote Chardonnay, it's a 2013, so you're going to see a really stark difference in style from classic French to what most people think Chardonnay is in the U.S., which is oh. this wonderful little... Right. Um, Banknote. Banknote. Bank uh, the bottle looks cool. Yeah, and it didn't cost me. It a looks bank like note. a banknote. Mm-hmm. Like no C note here. No C note on this one. Okay. No Benjamin. So um, the the, uh, the the colors of the three wine it's, it's difficult for for me to tell apart, but I think um, that's probably par for the course. Yeah, it, it is interesting, really. Honestly, between across the board, they're pretty much all dead on. Yeah. Um, so a great pairing for California Chardonnay is. Uh, Pota- <laughs> pot- potato chips, guys. All right, potato chips. Potato uh, chips. Dude. So um, I'm really curious to taste this. Uh, wow, <sighs> look at this. If you get the nose, the nose is mm. absolutely amazing. All right, mm. let's smell this uh, fine I can't even describe here. what I'm smelling. It's like tropical fruit all over the place. So th- this wine's going to be mm. a-, a term fatter. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as acidic. Wow. 
That is a good wine. All right. You haven't even tasted it. it yet. I'm just smelling it. I already know <laughs> it's going to be great. No, I got it. Mmm. Honeysuckle. Mmm. It's so, good. I like it. It's good. I like this. I oh, like my this. gosh. That is so good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. That's, that's very nice. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. And it's got vanilla. And it's a kind so, of, it's a little, it's a, it's absolutely. a. You get, you're getting your influence. So vanilla, you're getting your, in, your uh, vanilla from the oak. Yeah. It's, so um, there's more oak in there, but they've hit it really well with what they call malolactic fermentation, which is a second yeah. fermentation, uh-huh. malolactic acid, milk. Cream, so we don't necessarily get the butter in this one, That's but, but you do out. get you get butter in other definitely ones. Definitely get more of a tannic. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a ba- it's a very well balanced Chardonnay, it and is. it's grown in a region oh that gosh. you normally would not grow Chardonnay or wouldn't Atlas think Peak. you would. Atlas yeah. Peak, you're up in the mountains, but usually you grow Chardonnay in cool cooler climates like down in Carneros, closer to the bay, uh, cooler temperatures, um, where you can get into obviously more. Um, uh, limestone and stuff, and this is volcanic. This is uh, a right. different type of uh, soil no, I, altogether. I, I like this better than um, the the second one. I mean, I mean, this one I can compare a little the, bit straight on. But the, there's something that that jumps out of this wine mm. if you eat a potato chip first. Is it? Oh wait, let me right? do that. It's I'm because that salt, you know, with many other things, uh, helps with this this ta- open up the the mm-hmm. tongue and. Uh, I mean, I'm tasting some smoky, right. uh, like uh, some smokiness. So, if, yeah, that, I think you're right. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to the wine fellows. We have Alex, the wine guru. Yes. guru we have a Chardonnay wine tasting. That's weird. <clears throat> and we are trying three Chardonnays. And we're on the third Chardonnay, a banknote Chardonnay. Who gave them to us, Mark? And this is from the Raleigh Wine Shop. We thank you very much for thank donating you. these wines. They're wonderful wines. You must visit them this week. Yes. Tell them the wine fellers sent you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just tell them that. Just yeah, tell them that. That's all that matters. Nothing, nothing, nothing the, will happen. Nothing will happen, but, but tell, tell them. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's just, uh, and, you know, besides the potato chips, just because they don't see the whole spread that we have here today. Right. Um, popcorn is another great so one. So I see some popcorn in front of us. And we've had popcorn. Oh, and wow. uh, popcorn with truffle oil mm. is fantastic with sparkling Alex wine. Alex put truffle oil on our popcorn. Yes. Wow. It's killer. Oh it's absolutely gosh. killer. I'll now that brings that. out the wine. Yes. So uh, If you're playing at home, definitely put truffle get your oil, truffle oil on out. your popcorn. Yeah. Mm. How, many, how often do you pop your popcorn? Wow. <laughs> hey. That's good. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like it. Um, so now, <clears throat> let me ask you this. When I'm cooking... I will put salt on food. Everything. To bring out, it helps, yeah, honestly, bring no, out right. the flavors. Uh-huh. And I'm not talking a lot of salt. I'm just talking about enough salt to bring, to help the flavors transfer onto your tongue. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, salt, think that you're onto something with that. What's wine. happening here yeah. is that salt's allowing some flavors right. that normally wouldn't be prominent. To come out, no, it's come having out. a chemical it reaction, out. and it's helping it kind of. Well, it shows you why wine pairing is such chemistry. Is that you know how your wine tastes totally is dependent on the food you're eating, and uh, I thought this wine was good, but when I tried the popcorn, the truffle oil, it really brought out the flavors, and I thought that was excellent, excellent idea. I uh, see. I think these three wines, all Chardonnay, all very different, right? But they're all food wines, and they can be paired with. Everyday food. This just doesn't have to be over the top. Sure, we got potato chips, and we can't go wrong with potato chips. So I think uh, 
it is uh, this has been it's such a great idea. So, so uh, of the three, what do you think, Alex? Is the kind that you uh, uh, what what three bottles did you like the most? Um, I like the bubbles. Yeah, and I like uh, the banknote. Number three banknote for me. Yeah, I, think- I mean, and it's it's. And to be honest with you, it's 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 approachability. Right. I, like for me, I've, if we were to let that Chablis sit uh-huh. for five years, I think I might enjoy it even more. Well, Alex, thank you so yeah. much for coming on our show. When you ever come, whenever you come on, <laughs> we learn so much. We drink great wine. We have great food pairing. You are so knowledgeable. You are a main staple of this show. You will be back on uh, if I have anything to say about <laughs> the it. The wine guru. Yes. Thank you and. Have a great day. You've been listening to another exciting episode of The Wine Fellers, North Carolina's only fine wine radio program. And I've had such a great time today, Mark. Me too, Joe. But the good news is is that the fun can continue online. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Visit us online at thewinefellers.com, where you can learn more about today's program and listen to previous shows. See you next week. Songs and melodies change and change and sway, but they still stay the same. The songs that we sung when the dark days come are the songs that we sung when we chased them away. If I ever found a pot of gold, I'd buy bottles untold of the nectar of the vines. Cause I'm gonna die with a twinkle in my eye. Cause I sang songs, spun stories, love, laughed and drank wine. Tomorrow is another day. Beautiful.